And we're back once again. Uh, today we're going to try something new. This is the first West Coast, East Coast connection. Um, today's guest isn't necessarily a fighter. However, he has taken some fights in the past couple of years. Uh, and he's joining us through the magic of internet. Please welcome Mr. JP, Johnny P. Hello. What's going on, my man? Sorry about the mask. I figured I'd, uh, you know, you can never be too safe these days. So just in case you cough down the lens or something, I wanted to make sure that we'd be, we'd be okay. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of funny, right? Because the, the last few guests that I've had on this, this podcast have actually been in studio. And um, I yeah. mean, I, I will state we, we are approximately a metre and a half, maybe two metres apart, but we haven't actually been wearing the yeah. mask. So for you to come on and, 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 and wear the mask is actually pretty funny. <laughs> Well, you know, it's only like, what, two and a half thousand Ks between us. So, you know, like if you sneeze hard enough, who knows, man? So, you know, just got, got to be safe. <laughs> so how has uh, life been on the West Coast? Uh, I mean, you guys have been on the forefront of, of reopening everything. Um, I, I guess yeah. there, there are some advantages to being the most isolated in the city in the world which is you guys yeah. are already in isolation without actually being in isolation, right? But um, how, how has life yeah, been, on, been the, on the West Coast? How, how has it been? Yeah, well, people have always said that like WA has been preparing for this like since it's been a thing because uh, yeah, like we're, we're obviously pretty closed off from the rest of the world and everything. But like since I've been back, because I, I was obviously, well, people won't know this, but I was in Sydney for the last six, seven years and I came back end of 2018 um, and then since Corona hit, like my, my side hustle, I work in disability and stuff. So I've still been an essential worker the whole time. So I've been, I've been working pretty much every day. Nothing's really changed for me. Um, but because of the, the strict border control and the premier really locking everything down, like everything's sort of come around quite quickly. Like it's been, I think it's been probably like what, two months since this has all been sort of going down. But, um, I think it's been. Like we, we've definitely got the quickest turnaround and, and I was talking to some friends in Sydney yesterday and, you know, we both sort of agree that Sydney and Melbourne and stuff are probably going to be the last states or the last cities to sort of um, come back to normal. But here it's sort of been like, for me anyways, it's been business as usual. Um, definitely like there's more hand sanitizer going around and there's more, um, you know, there's people being really like I coughed the other day in a shop and this chick like shat herself. It was hilarious. I was, I was just talking and I had a bit of like a tickly throat and I was like, <clears throat> and this chick like ran <laughs> from like where we're in some camping shop and she ran from like one side of the shop to the other and like stared at me like I had the plague. Um, but I think, I think here, like where, like my birthday's on, on Saturday, I'm not sure when this is airing, but on the, on, on the 6th of June um by the sixth they're pretty much opening everything like pretty much relatively to normal like there's a hundred people maximum i think allowed um but gyms are reopening um i think cafes and everything sort of opening like where people can actually eat like there instead of being like having to do takeaway and everything so but yeah wa has been good man like it's the benefit of just being so far away from everything else and now that they've cut all the flights it's just made i don't know like it's pretty sad though hey like where like australia is pretty solid at the moment like we don't really have that many new cases whereas in places like brazil and um i think it's still russia 
and and places like that it's still so hectic at the moment but just because of closing the international flights we've sort of i think we've weathered the storm unless there's a bunch of sleepers out there that don't have symptoms and yeah it's going to be a very interesting rollout to see how it all sort of pans out hey well it's kind of crazy as well like because you know before when people used to sneeze you, you'd get the occasional bless you where as you say right now everyone's just like <laughs> you know they it, 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 <laughs> yeah, it, exactly it's kind of changed but uh F you. I kind of spoke yeah. to to my coach this morning about the whole reopening of things and it's it's kind of funny because every state is now reopening gyms except for New South Wales yeah. and and you know you look you look at mm. how they're rolling this thing out and it's just crazy to me. Um, I, I, I just yeah. want to know, they always talk about like, you know, getting advice from the professionals, but I'm like, how mm. are they even coming up with these numbers? Because for instance, in New South Wales right now, you know, you can have up to 50 people to a funeral, but only 20 people to a wedding, for instance. And I'm like, why, why, why is it 50 for one and 20 for another? And, you know, why do other states mm. get to open gyms, yet we can't open gyms, but we're allowed to open bars and... And, and, and yeah. things like that. It, it, it's just really bizarre how they've kind of rolled this whole thing out, right? Um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't think anyone really knows. Like, obviously, no one's ever really dealt with this before, so it's a bit up in the air. But, yeah, sometimes with the figures and stuff, like when I was working for this, this company that I was working for a couple of months ago, we had our clients and it was sort of like, oh, you know, it's gone from you can't have, uh more than 50 people in a space at once and then the next day it was oh no now it's 20 and then oh now it's 10 and then they pretty much had to be closed down because there was no no space for anyone and you're sort of like like yeah who, who's coming up with these numbers um but at least we're not like you know like with what's going on in america like <laughs> some stuff i've been seeing um like on on the joe rogan podcast and stuff it's like you know, you can go watch the sunrise or watch the sunset or, you know, wade in a stream, like very specific, random little activities people are allowed to do. But it seems like LA and all that's going to be pretty locked down for quite a quite a long time to come. Sure. Well, yes and no. I mean, at the moment, it seems like yeah. there is no lockdown. I mean, they haven't curfews, but it seems yeah, like true. it seems true. like the COVID nineteen is non-existent now, right? Like you, you don't mm -hmm. even hear about mm -hmm. it anymore. It's it's now obviously all the other problems mm -hmm. that are going on over there. Um, it's yeah, sure. it, it's kind of crazy how you know from one one day to the next we can go from you know COVID 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 mm. and then suddenly now yeah, as I say sure. it, it's non-existent I actually had to check this morning to see if they're still actually reporting on on the yeah. stats which they are um but it's just yeah. we don't hear about it anymore uh, well yeah like if they they're obviously like the the news are going to go hectic with whatever the the biggest story is and they're going to obviously report a lot of the the negative so it's like obviously with everything going on in America with um with George Floyd and all the stuff going on there, that's obviously taken the front seat. But it's like, if you just watch the news in general, like the whole coronavirus stuff, like it's just gonna, it's just nonstop. It's just like, you know, like fear mongering 101, like just, you know, like I, I don't watch the normal TV, the normal news or whatever. Like I get my, I get my sources of knowledge from things that I want to look at. Like, you know, I have preferred I guess sources of or streams of getting those things, but like I was with a client the other day, and their their parent had um, just the news running, and it was like holy shit! Like 
if you just watched the normal TV, you would be freaked out all of the time because it's it's just so like in your face nonstop. Like we're all in this together. Like we're gonna make it through. I know we can't see people at the moment, but it's gonna be okay. It's like like we know this. Like you know, it's it's not the Black Plague. It's not the freaking Spanish flu. Like it's yeah. But hopefully we can put all this behind us and sort of <laughs> smash out the rest of the year and have some sort of normality but I don't know I don't know about you but like for me I think it's been good to sort of like you've had less options of things to do like we're still super blessed and we've still got like more than most people could ever dream of but um, I think it's made people appreciate the little things a lot more and if that's you know in 2020 if that's something that we learn from this then I think that's pretty that's pretty solid. A hundred percent I mean it, it really did you know, allow me as especially, which is kind of weird because we are so separated, but it's allowed me to reconnect with friends, family that yeah. before all of this, even though you had the option to go connect, we never did. And it's, yeah, it's really you, weird you that the disconnection yeah. has actually brought us back together in, in some, in some sort of degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird one, man, because, you know, I, I, I always go with the whole strength, strength in numbers, and I kind of feel like with this this whole thing, they they kind of separated us all. And then, as you mm. say, the only thing that would come on TV, right, is news, news, yeah. news. Channel Seven yeah. news, Channel Nine news. Like it was like you just couldn't get yeah. out of that rut, and I just it was depressing for a little while. And I guess that's yeah sure. where it's good to see now that. You know, people like the UFC, for instance, I mean, they, they already started two, mm. three weeks ago. Um, and I'm yep. sure that people that haven't, you know, normally watched fights in the past are watching it because it's just a break from this, this cycle that we're in at the moment. And, and this week, um, yep. the NRL came back and it's the same thing. It's like, I'm not the biggest, yeah. foot, I'm not, not the biggest footy fan, but if the option is to watch, you know, two yeah. hours, two hours of, the top teams, uh, you know, colliding and, 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 and having that little form of entertainment or watch the news. Mm. I'm sorry. Like it, it, it's just, yeah, no, it it makes you realize how, how much like you took it for granted before, like how, how spoiled we were for choice. Like, like back, like, you know, December or whatever, you've got, you know, multiple sports going on at all. Like what, what, what was there? Well, there was all, like the NBA and everything. And then you've got like, well, there's just there's tons of sports going on at once. And like, if you were on Foxtel or whatever, you could like literally just go through and pick whatever sport you wanted or go like on KO, like on the app or whatever, and just watch literally whatever you want. And now it's like, oh man, like <laughs> I know like everyone in, everyone in WA is pretty excited for the AFL to come back um, because have, they've just- Have they like, announced been, a date? There's been nothing. Um, I'm pretty sure it's June 11, it's 11, 12 or 13. It's, I think it's the following, it's the weekend after my birthday. I'm just plugging my birthday today. I expect a really good present. Um, no, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's that, that weekend. Um, and it's, it's hectic that, uh, the Eagles and the Dockers from, from Perth have headed to, um, to the Gold Coast and they're like hubbing over there because because of the such the strict quarantine laws for people being able to get into WA. If East Coast teams came over here, there'd be a 14 day mandatory quarantine. So they'd be they'd be stuck and wouldn't actually be able to to play. 
so the WA teams have moved to the Gold Coast for now um, so they can uh, let the, the season go ahead. Which is, which is so kind of what great. happened with the NRL. Uh, the, the New Zealand Warriors, for instance, they had to move their camp over here. And look, I, I have yeah. to say, I, I watched their game over the weekend. I was really happy to see them win just, just because of that, because of the sacrifice that they oh, had yeah, to make sure. that none of the other teams have had to make. So I was like, I was kind of rooting yeah. for them. I was like, let's go, you know. Um, I feel like half of, the, half of the Warriors players probably live in Sydney anyway, is they... I think I think like there's a lot like a, a massive. It's funny with um, it's funny with the NRL. Hey, like you like the New Zealand Warriors. You think would be like a team of players that are all in New Zealand, but there's like Australian players that play for the Warriors, and then there's like it's it's funny. It's funny, but it's cool. Like I, I sort of miss watching watching the league because like yeah, when I lived over in Sydney, it was such a big thing. And when I first moved over there, when I was like 20, I was like, what is this? Like, I'd never, like, I think it would be on in Perth at like midnight because no one really cared about it. And we didn't have a WA team, so no one really watched it. Um, but then when I went over there, it was like, that was the only thing that was like, you know, like sort of advertised. Whereas Perth is just like AFL and basketball. But yeah, but there's a there's a big um there's a massive South African and English and and Kiwi sort of you know parts of of WA as well. So rugby like leagues getting pretty big over here. So it won't surprise me if in a couple of years we've got a team because um, union gets pretty big over here. But I mean that's kind of um, weird as well, yeah. right? Because um you know you've got Australian rules football mm. yet. It's more Perth, Melbourne. Like, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, well, it's weird. There, there, there and then you got the national... The that are like, I love it. But. Yeah, but then you got the National Rugby League and it's pretty yeah. much Sydney and Brisbane, you know? Like, it, it's weird. Yeah, like, where's yeah. the National League? And, and if it's Australian yeah. football, you know, it's so weird that yeah. we're so divided over codes depending on which state you live in. We've just got so much choice, man. Like we're like we in Australia, we've got like a good cricket team. We've got obviously we've got AFL. We're one of the, well, apparently a lot of other countries play AFL, but um, there's like a World Cup of AFL, but they don't invite Australia. <laughs> and apparently New Zealand wins like every time because they don't invite Australia. Um, but yeah, it's weird. We've got like we've got good cricket teams. We've got pretty good but well you know perth has got a pretty good basketball team i don't know about sydney um you know we've got the rugby union rugby league like there's there's non-stop stuff they've got the v8 supercars if you're into that there's you know golf tennis you know and then we've got good fighters as well like and you know we we adopt a couple of the kiwi guys but you know we we've got yeah we've got some all right fighters well i wish i wish easy was ours I wish Starbender was ours, but nah. Hey, we got <laughs> Alex at the moment, so we still got a champion, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we 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 did have Robert Whitaker. Uh, then again, though, is is he Australian? Is he Kiwi? We you know the the debate's yeah, always like, going to yeah. be there. It, it yeah. it's funny how we always yeah. do that. I mean, even with actors and stuff, it's like you know we've got this mad passion against New Zealand people, um, but yet yeah. when they succeed, we like to claim them real quick. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, well, like, yeah, it's a weird thing. We we should just meld our countries together because we have, like, as much as we have, like, these rivalries, it's, like, 
at the end of the day, we're each other's closest neighbors pretty much. And we like, yeah, like I, I remember being in Sydney and the All Blacks were versing the Wallabies. And um, I was with all my mates who were Kiwi. I was the only the only Aussie guy there. And we went to this like den of the Kiwis. It was somewhere in Darling Harbour. And I was like the only, I wasn't wearing a Wallabies jersey or whatever, but I was like the only non-All Blacks fan. But at the end of the day, I was like, man, like I've been to New Zealand a fair few times. And I was like, they're like rugby is their religion. Like I'm happy for them to have it. Like as much as so many people would hate me for that. I'm like, I, I would be happy for like rugby union, like leagues are a different thing, but union, I feel like we could be like, yep, like that is New Zealand's like, cause they, they are the best man. Like, they, their culture and like, it's like, you're a superhero if you're an all black. Like if you grow up there and you know, every young boy's dream is I want to become an all black. Like it's, it's like their religion, like rugby is their God. So it's, man, hey. we're, we're in a country where we've got sport for choice. I mean, I, I grew up in NZ and, and I have to say that is definitely the case and it's just so weird yeah. that, um, you know, when you're over there and you're going through the schooling system, you, you're pretty much expected mm. to play rugby, right? So it's like yeah. if you're... I didn't, I didn't know you grew up there. Yeah, I, I grew up in... Dun- my mind right now. Grew up in Dunedin, South Island. It was great, oh, right? Oh, um, So, and it's like, yeah, you're kind of expected to, to, to play where then you come mm. over here and you're in the schooling system and even if you want to play, they're like, oh, you've got to get a permission slip signed and stuff. It ain't like that over there. Over there, it's like you're playing, yeah. right? It, it, it's not about getting permission yeah. or anything. It's like, you, you, I mean, things could have changed maybe over the years, but definitely back then it was it was just normal. Well, I think... And it, yeah. and, and it makes me think, like, how many times do you feel like... I mean, they're obviously so good, but I think it's because everyone kind of has to go through that system right and i find mm. that sometimes you mm. could have like the greatest players in regardless of what sport but sometimes yeah. we miss that talent just because they don't get pushed through that system yeah, it's right not open to it yeah yeah you know sure. what i mean like sure. you you could be the greatest yeah. say ball player mm. if you played but you just never played yeah, or you yeah, never yeah. picked up that ball so you miss out on that talent and that's why well, I, I remember me and my girlfriend were talking about this the other day and she was saying if you if you had have played a sport like non-stop when you were younger she's like i don't doubt that you'd be a professional and i thought about it because i've got cousins that play afl and stuff and i've got cousins that play um and more well, have played nbl and played for the boomers and whatever and i was like if i had of actually you know devoted like the thing is i, I didn't care I love sport. I love playing sport, but I don't think I, at a young age, was that kid. I had too much personal shit going on in my life to be like, all right, every weekend is footy, 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 footy. Like, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like if people are put in those positions, like it depends on what you want to do in life deals, everyone such different cards. So for some people, sport is their way out, especially in America, right? Like for the African-American community, it's like, if they're growing up in real tough situations, it's like, well, what am I going to do? Like, there's so many songs about it. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm either going to dribble or I'll fiddle with mics. It's like, well, am I going to take a rap career or am I going to become a, a sports player, you know, basketball or whatever it might be, American football, because that is the way out. And when you've got that drive, no doubt. Like, but yeah, there's definitely those so many people as well that don't even get the opportunities because they might not be able to afford the college or they don't get a scholarship or whatever. Like, 
there's probably so many, you know, like hidden talents out there that people don't tap into because um, they're just not given the opportunity. So on that though, you you obviously, I mean, you do play a little bit of ball, uh, you know. We, 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 I do. We, yeah. Drops and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you you went the other way and and picked up the pen. Um, at what yeah. at what point in life did you decide that this is the kind of pathway you wanted to to go down? So it took it took for me until I was twenty three when I was living in Sydney. Um, I was a full time personal trainer. And like the, the lifestyle that you've got there is pretty good. Like, you know, you, you get up at like, well, I don't like getting up that early, but yeah, get up at like five, five thirty, train clients, you know, have a massive gap in the middle of your day. Cause you're only really training people when they're not at work, obviously, unless you've got the, you know, the, the Richies that just train whenever you want. And that was pretty good as well, but had this massive gap in the middle of the day, work morning, work evening gap in the middle of the day. And I was surfing and I was like, man, this is awesome. That's when I met, met bliss and everything like that. And sort of got connected in with the whole crew. But, um, I sort of was like, I need to be doing something more productive. And I've always been musical. Like there's six guitars in this room. I've played drums since I was five. Like it's always been a part of my, my soul, my family. Like whenever we have family gatherings, it's nonstop music. Someone's playing guitar, someone's harmonizing, someone's, you know, doing this and doing that. Um, but I think it took until, Till I was 23, I moved away from Perth. I'd thrown away the, you know, the idea of, oh, I'm going to be a tradie and I'm just going to follow this path and do the typical, it's pretty much in my mind, like a typical Western Australian path, like grow up, um, you know, get a, get an apprenticeship, get a trade, marry super young, have multiple kids by the time you're 25. And I was like, I got rid of a long, long-term relationship like just changed everything and then ended up in Sydney and was like, like, what am I going to do? And like, what am, what are my passions? And it's funny whenever I'd hit like rock bottom or, or really tough times in my life, like I automatically would pick up a pen and a pad and write stuff down. Um, and I think it like a couple of those really pivotal moments in Sydney, I was like, actually, like, instead of wasting my time, not wasting my time, but instead of just, you know, surfing every day and, cool, I'm getting tanned and cool, I get to have fun and whatever. Um, maybe I do something a little bit more productive and I work towards something. And then so from there, I started, you know, filming little webcam videos on my phone and putting stuff on Facebook and then slowly, you know, um, my my fan base built quite, quite quickly. Like, I think I just had that sort of unwavering faith in myself that what I was doing was good enough, which is hilarious because back then I was terrible um but like as I've read a million different times you know being delusional is is actually you know in your favor when it comes to to chasing a dream because you've got you know you've got to back yourself you've got to have unwavering faith that what you're doing is is worth it and then so over time yeah it all it all built up and then I think for me I felt like I was legit when uh two years after starting I was on tour with, with Bliss and SO around the country and um, yeah, I owe, I owe Johnny and Max and Tarek and, and even yourself and Spook and the rest of the crew, I owe you guys a lot because uh, definitely gave me a, a massive boost and put me in front of people. It was very undeserved as well, you know what I mean? Like when I think back on it, like I think Bliss thought 
I probably had more experience than I did. Um, but I'd only played one show uh, in Melbourne to like 20 people in like 2015. And then by 2017, I was playing to a couple of thousand or whatever it was in, you know, in Adelaide and Brisbane, Gold Coast and Sydney, Melbourne. Like, yeah, it was cool, man. So yeah, it all started from nothing, bro. But I, I think that's the thing. If you're sort of pushed, if you've got those sort of root sort of um, passions, I guess, and the time works out well enough for you, you'll just probably fall into one of those by default if you've got something that you love that much. Um, and yeah, it's all it's all gone from there. But yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy. I didn't expect, I don't think I expected everything to happen the way it did. And, but, and, um, and with that, yeah. um, did you, like that, that Bliss Nesso tour, was it what you expected or what did you go into it thinking one thing and then it was something totally different? Um, no. You know, was there anything was, you took away from, from that? Like, did you learn anything from, from traveling with those guys or, or was it kind of like everything that you kind of expected to begin with? I think I remember being like, would have been 18 because I was at a show I was at a show at the Rose Mountain Perth and it was Seth Century and Horror Show. And I remember seeing them on stage and being like, man, these guys are awesome. Um, but like, I could see there was no like celebrity, like, oh my God, like they're so cool. Like if I ran into Drake, it would probably be like, hey man, like you're you're Drake. But you know, for, for me, it was like, these are just local Australian dudes doing their thing on stage. They can keep time. They've got great flow, good tone, whatever. I was like, I could do this. I remember thinking that when I was younger and I was like, I could, I could do this a hundred percent, but it was also like, Oh, but hold on. I've, I'm in an apprenticeship and I've got to, you know, provide for the missus and blah, 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 and whatever. But, and I, and I'd grown up watching, you know, bliss and SO concerts and stuff in Perth as well. I'd taken, one of my one of my girlfriends growing up, like me and her, used to always go to to B and E shows, and we went, you know, multiple times. And then when I came to Sydney, saw him again, and so I sort of knew what it was all like. I knew I knew what everything was going to sort of look like. I didn't know the, you know, the technicalities and the little ins and outs of stuff backstage and everything, but I knew that, you know, you get up there, you do your thing you get the crowd involved. I knew, I knew what it were, what it meant to be sort of a showman, um, but had never actually had experience. So it's sort of like, yeah, it, it was a very, it was a very cool experience. And I guess for me, like being friends with bliss, like bliss was the first one who I met out of the group because I became his trainer. Like I remember seeing him, I, I came into the gym and he was there training with a, with a mate of mine. And, uh, I wasn't listening to Bliss and Esso at all. Uh, like I, I liked them a bit when I was younger. My cousin was obsessed with them and I was like, yeah, they're all right. But I used to always just take the piss. And I've told Bliss this as well, that, you know, like he'd be like smoking weed on my tree trapeze with B and E and three and B and me and E. And I used to always like take the piss and be like, man, they just talk about weed and like talk about real trippy things about like being in the rainforest and, you know, freaking flying around on a skateboard made of dreams. And, and like, and I'd be like, it's not really my cup of tea, man. But then like that day I saw bliss in the gym and I was like, Oh, that's bliss. What the hell? So I put, 
I put a, a B&E song on my, on my phone. I wasn't listening to them at the time, but I put it on and was like, oh, bro, check this out. Uh, I'm listening to you <laughs> and it was obviously my way to just be able to go up and say hi and then I think from there like we just became mates and we we started surfing together every day and all that sort of stuff so um and and training and, and now you know Bliss is getting a little bit of a rig on him which is good but I think um yeah like because I knew him quite well and we probably spent most days together for a couple of years it was sort of like I was really comfortable when I was there. It wasn't me trying to impress them and show them what I could do. It was more so me being like, all right, they're my, they're my boys now. Like, you know, we're, we're good. Like, it's not like I need to get their approval. Like they obviously approve of me enough for me to be here. So now it's my time to prove to myself that I deserve to be here. And that's sort of what that tool was for me. Um, and it was one of those things, man, like I didn't have the money no way I had the money like my girlfriend at the time ended up paying for one of my flights because I couldn't I couldn't afford to even go but I just said yes he said oh do you want to can you play I think it was a Tuesday me and him were in the gym training and uh I was like bro so what's going on with the tour and he goes oh Friday man Friday we're in Adelaide we kick it off and I was like fuck that's awesome man like I hope you have such a good time I hope it all goes well blah 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 and then I think it was the Wednesday, he calls me and goes, hey, bro, do you want to open for us in Adelaide on Friday night? And I was like, oh, like, what? Like, like a golden ticket, man. So, and I was like, uh, yeah, like straight out was like, yeah, like everything in me said, don't do it because you don't have enough money. You can't get there for one. You don't have a DJ. You don't have enough songs. You don't have, you've, been, you've played one show before, you know, there's, tons of reasons why I could have said no, but my, um, my immediate reaction was just to say yes. Uh, I like to say yes and figure out everything else later. But yeah, so then that Friday I ended up in Adelaide, just networked the shit out of everything on Facebook, found a bunch of, um, like just found a guy in Adelaide and was like, Hey, who do you recommend? Who's the best DJ I should have, blah, blah, blah. And then I pretty much like went on Facebook for every single city that we rocked up to. Um, I found a DJ that day. Um, one of them, I ended up being able to go back to his place and, and we did like a rehearsal. Um, and, but you know, like the majority of them. And now it's funny, like whenever I tour around the country, I end up staying with that family in Adelaide or I end up, you know, hanging with that family in Melbourne or, you know, so it, it's really funny the way it all worked out. But yeah, I was so in over my head, but you know, fake it till you make it, eh? Well, it, well, it's kind of crazy because, I mean, that's kind of the same journey that a lot of fighters, for instance, take, right? Mm. Which is, sure. you know, a lot, of, a lot of fighters are out there paying their own costs, paying their own flights, when especially when they're on the regional circuit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's costing them to fight rather than getting paid to fight. Mm. Um, 100%. And then whether it be from a late withdrawal or, or something happens and suddenly they get that call from the big ticket, right? And it's like, we got to fight in one, two weeks, you in. And it, yeah. that same thing happens where they're like, yeah. there's so many reasons I don't have a full camp, I, uh, this, that, but on the same token, it's like, this is the call up. I've got to take yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and, and so it's yeah. kind of weird that, even though they're entirely different markets and, and, and whatnot, it, it, it's kind of the same pathway. Yeah, 
hundred percent, man. Yeah. What was I listening to the other day? It was Justin Gaethje talking about the fights with um, Ferguson and and everything like that, and how how it all came about, and how that he'd always said he wouldn't take um, any fights on short notice, but you know because of everything going on with COVID and whatever, him and Trevor Whitman were like, yeah, like let's just let's do it. And then man, he's, he's a freaking weapon, eh? But yeah, when when I had my fights. It was um, like not to that degree because I've only I've only had two fights as a boxer, but and I won them both, so it's all right, you know. Um, so I, I, I but, you know, just I, let me stop you there. So I, I, yeah, are yeah, you yeah. thinking of potentially doing it again one time, or are you gonna do the whole retire undefeated? I man, I I really enjoyed it, and I think it's a really good outlet for me. Like. I know when I'm when I'm weight training and when I'm sparring and, and doing boxing or whatever, um, it's it's an awesome combination for me and and I my body loves it. Um, I think when because I remember talking to you about Winter Warrior and doing it when I was in Sydney and like just the amount it's a big commitment and I think with all the other things I'm juggling it, it would be quite a tough one. But I think I'll definitely. Once uh, once everything sort of goes back to normal, I'm probably going to get a, a membership at a local boxing gym. There's, there's a couple in Perth that I'm, I'm keen to suss out and just get stuck in again. I'd probably, I'd be keen to do MMA, to be honest, because, well, you know, I've got some big knees. Um, I've done jiu-jitsu when I was younger. I'm, I'm tall and flexible. I've got good knees and elbows and whatever. And my, my striking's pretty good now, but... I think it'd be something that whether it's just the training and I'm doing MMA, you know, but it always turns into, oh, I want to spar and then you sort of want to have a fight. But for me, it was it's sort of the risk to reward purely because obviously I need my head switched on for music. I need to be articulate. I need to be able to talk. I need to be able to write. Um, and when I had my last fight, I was against a dude who was fucking huge. He was like, I weighed in at 100 kilos and he weighed in at like 120 and I, I'm 6'3 wow. or 6'4 and he's like 6'6. Six, six. He was huge. And um, I ended up winning winning it. I dropped him with a body shot and, and then hit him a couple of times as he was falling down and they called it. I didn't know. <laughs> it's quite funny actually. Oh, I'll tell you that in a sec. But, um, but that fight, I, I was sort of, I was trying to be all staunch and stuff at the start and just like not talk to him. Like I'm a friendly guy. So it was really hard for me to, to try and be otherwise, but I was like, no, I'm not going to talk to him. I'm just going in with like, I was in the best physical shape I've ever been in. Like I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to eat him. But there was also that little part of me that was like, Oh, I don't know. Cause this guy's like an ex bouncer, like had been fighting for a really long time. I'd only been fighting for like six months. Pretty much, I'd stop boxing, and then I'd find out I had a I had a fight, and then I'd train hard for three months, and then I'd fight. It was sort of like, it wasn't a part of my life like ingrained yet. But anyways, um, before the fight, me and him are chatting because he, he eventually came up and he was like, "Hey man, like how you doing?" And I was like, "Yeah, good, bro, good." I was trying to be trying to be staunch, but you know, it was just like, "Yeah, man, I'm fine. How, how are you? How how are the kids?" And he's like, "Yeah, the kids are good, man." And I was like, "How are you though?" And he's like, "Oh." Yeah, I'm all, I'm all right. And like when he didn't come out confident, I was like, I've won. Like I've won before we've even had the fight. Like I just he just didn't have the energy about him that he was ready for for a war. Um, 
but he hit really, really hard. And I, I go to my, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of fighters have their special place they go to when they're fighting, whether, you know, people say, oh, they black out or they, they go to a tree house in their mind when they were a kid and no one can touch them there. That's their safe spot. And anyways, I was in, I was just in my zone that night. And so I was being cheeky and I had my hands down too much and I let him hit me with a few and just kept walking through them and stuff, but they were big hits. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I never got it diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I had a concussion from that or some sort had some, something happened, something happened for sure. Cause he hit me with some bombs and I busted my freaking Oh, what did I do? It was my left side. It took like six months for it to go back to normal. I had him up against the ropes and was just wailing to the body. And uh, I may have been a little bit cheeky and had my other hand behind his back to hold him, <laughs> hold him towards me as well. But I, I hit him about five times as hard as I could with these massive body rips. And then he dropped the elbow to obviously cover up for the sixth one. And I punched his elbow as hard as I could. And then after the fight, like, you know, it was all, all cold and everything like that. After the fight, he's like, bro, did you like kick my arm? Cause he's like, my arm is wrecked. And he shows me his arm and he's got like this freaking giant, like balloon on his elbow. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, well, bro, my left, my whole left arm feels like it's broken. Like my elbow was so screwed. My wrist was so busted, but, um, yeah, that was, that was from that. But yeah, so for me, it's sort of risk to reward. It's like, like I, I wanted to do an MMA fight at the end of 2018, I think it was, or 2017, whenever it was, 2018. I think I might've spoken to you about it as well. And I was sort of like, oh yeah, but then I know that like, I just cough and elbow it. Like, it's not something I want to pursue as like a full-time career. So for me, it's sort of like, you know, if I can do it in a safe safe-ish manner even though sparring is not always the safest or whatever cool i can get the exercise in i can get the training in that i enjoy um but i'm not gonna ruin my other career which for me you know music you know i'm sure there's some amazing stories out there of guys that just decide that they're going to become a fighter in their late 20s and they're absolute weapons and they make it in the ufc and crazy shit happens but i don't think that's my story um so for me it's sort of i've got to be i've got to be careful got to protect the noggin not that um, i'm trying to twist your arm but uh yeah. just to let you know with, yeah. with, with with the winter warrior series um then they're, they're not allowed a uh, knee and elbow to the head so you, you are safe there that's always good. um that's you know they, they you Kicks can you, you can't you can throw them but they have to be body shots um they yeah, use okay. now the eight ounce instead of the four ounce gloves and you do also have shinies on um and that's obviously to try to prevent some of that damage not that i'm trying to convince you or anything would love because when when you fought though when you fought you didn't have no when when you, when we fought it was four ounce gloves no shins but still you couldn't knee uh or elbow to the head so that's that's okay. always been part of the amateur kind of uh okay. regulations um but yeah we uh, uh, after my series they they moved it up to the eight ounce and the shin pads um and it was just okay. obviously to to prevent some of that damage and and make it a little safer because a lot of these guys aren't fighters you know they're they're just yeah. people yeah, that even enjoy it job and then they, exactly yeah. you know and they're just either trying to tick that bucket list or they're trying to fight some of their own demons or some of their own fears or whatever, but it's, it's not like they're mm. really pursuing it as a career either. Right. 
Um, mm. But on that, I just wanted to ask you as well, when you had your fights, yeah, did you ever think about, because I know you came out to Macca's song, well, for your second one anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. did the thought ever cross your mind to come out to one of your own songs or to write a song especially yeah. for for the walkout and 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 yeah heaps of people said it and it's not not you it. you think it's like a bad omen well, or or why would you not go down why, that route well I, I don't like my own music man like like by the time i've written and recorded a song it's it's not true to say i don't like my own music but i don't like listening to my own music um by the time i've written and recorded a song it's gone through mixing and mastering. Uh, you know, I've rehearsed it for live shows. I've heard it a million times on Spotify before it comes out on Spotify, like when I've got it in my little upload hub and everything like that. And we've tweaked it a thousand times. Like I don't even want to hear it. And so there's no songs of mine that pump me up. There's no, like a lot of people message me daily saying, man, your song's my running song. Your song's my fighting song. Your song's my training song, whatever. For me, I listen to completely different artists to, to do that for myself. Um, and my my coach at the time was like, "Bro, like you've got to you've got to write yourself a song and come out and rap it as you walk to the stage." And I was like, "Bro, that's so cheese." I was like, "Nah." I don't like, know about cheese, but I I definitely wouldn't have gone down that route because I, I find when you're yeah. taking that walk, you need you're to be focused. focused, right? You can't be like, yeah, I mean, you, you see uh, Mayweather coming out with Justin Bieber. If someone else is doing it, fair play. Yeah. Like, but like for you to come yeah, out yeah, rapping, yeah, I, sure. I don't think that would have been a good look. But yeah, you know, whether it's songs that you've got readily available or whether it's as I say, you write a song specifically, as you say, you don't have a song yeah. that amps you up, but you could write one. Like there, there's no nothing stopping yeah, yeah. you from doing that. But on the same yeah. token, do you, you know, do you think it's a bad omen or, 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 or do you just worry that people are going to go, eh, it's a bit cheesy or what, you know, like, because yeah. obviously it's a perfect opportunity that you could have that 99% sure. of fighters can't because they're not rapping. I mean, Tyrone Woodley now is, is yeah. rapping as well. So I guess he could, potentially do something like that but you know it, it, it's something is he, that is he rap, do you reckon he'll be rapping after the last fight though after I, those, those hits to the head I, <laughs> I have no idea i have no idea but it, it's one of those things yeah. you know and 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 then on on another token since you've done both which one do you find mm. harder and i mean that mm. in in a sense of that they're both really putting you out there right um, mm. most musicians do write about experiences, their thoughts, their feelings, whatever it may be. And it's, it's like, once you publish that, you've put your, your soul out there. Um, and yeah, I find, sure. and I find um, fighters do the same thing. Obviously they're not putting their, yeah. their, 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 their feelings out there, but they're putting their bodies, their, their, their soul out there on display as well. And they're both very unforgiving if, if that makes sense. So once again, mm. there's, there's a very common kind of theme here and you've kind of done both. Which mm. one do you find harder? Well, I think each has their own, their own challenges. I had a really good point in my head and I think I've just lost it, but pretty much. Must okay, be all the yeah, punches yeah, to the head. Was, was, yeah, that's it, bro. Um, no, with, with fighting for me, I think physically I know I can handle almost anything. That's how it feels for me. I know like yesterday I did 125k bike ride 
and I've only just started cycling. Like I, I, I've got a really strong mind when it comes to my body and I know I can push myself beyond whatever. So for the fight, for me, for the fights that I've had, yeah, there were nerves there because well, it's natural to have nerves before a fight anyways. And it was something that I hadn't done before prior. Um, but I feel like the primal, you know, the, you can draw on stuff from your life to get you through that. You can get, you can draw on anger, you can draw on whatever, not that you want to fight angry and be a sloppy brawler, but you can, I feel like there's like a primal side of you that kicks in for a fight. Whereas with, with music, it's a completely different me that I'm tapping into when I'm on stage. Like I'm not the dude on stage. That's the, you know, the aggressive jump into the crowd. fucking swear constantly. Like I try and entertain and have fun. Um, but for me, like that's, I'm being a showman more on my mental side when I'm on stage rapping and I'm being more of a showman physically when I'm, when I'm, you know, fighting. So for me, I think they've both got their, their hard parts and they've both got their easy parts. Um, but I feel like fighting for me, like anything physical for me, like whether it's a hard training session or whether it's whatever, I've got that constant drive of like, I'm going to absolutely smash this. Like I'm, I'm good at this. I'm fit. I'm strong, whatever. I'm fine. But then on stage, it's like, I've got to be, I've got to be way more Zen. I've got to be way more like my mind has to be clear. I've got so many lyrics. I need I've so many songs. I've got to remember. I've got so many interactions I've got to do with the crowd, whatever. But, but, it's funny when you're in both situations, I know that it's, it's quite a rare thing for people to have done sort of both, but your, your natural, the natural you kicks in, in either of those situations. So it, you know, it, it'd be a different story if I came into a fight and I wasn't in good physical shape and I wasn't mentally prepared and I hadn't been training hard enough for it, but I knew I put the hours in and I was doing stupid amounts of training every week for it. Um, and I was, still doing you know do a massive like we do like an hour i train in the morning before clients then i would uh, some or i'd train after clients in the morning then that evening i'd have boxing for like an hour and a half and then after that i'd do like a heavy deadlift session and i knew that like i was putting my body through a lot but i knew that i was training harder than any of my opponents who they could have put me up against with would have been so i was like i've got this so I think for me, nothing, nothing's really hard in either of them, as long as you're prepared. If you put in the hours and you know, you, you know, I, I hone my craft with writing, I hone my craft with training and, and being fit, you know, whatever opportunity arises, you know, you're prepared for it. But yeah, initially, I think initially, if you look at my first fight and the first times I was on stage, it's just that whole fish out of water thing you know when when you've done it for a long period of time same with anything in life you know it becomes easier um you become more comfortable surfing's like the perfect analogy for it for me because i remember talking to people that hadn't surfed and i was like the only way you get better at surfing is when you're actually on the wave and that's really hard because when you first start you you might be on the wave for a second and everything's like a car crash it's like boof, like oh shit and then all of a sudden you're in the water and you're like Oh, that was fun. I want to try again. And then as you keep going and you get to, you know, you've been surfing for a couple of months now, now you're standing up on a wave, you're starting to turn a little bit, starting to move. Then you're like, 
oh, okay, like everything slows down, you gain that perspective and you're like, oh, this is what surfing is, you know? So it's, it's the same thing, first fight, fucking hectic. I know I cracked him with a big hook and everyone went, whoa. And I was like, that was over so fast. Second fight, even though it was only my second fight, I was way more composed and I picked my shots. And oh yeah, this is the side note I was gonna come back to before. Sorry, I'm rambling. When that second fight ended, I didn't know it ended. So my coach, like I dropped him and we'd, we'd planned this thing that if he gave me enough space, I would go for like a drilling body shot. I'd move my head off and then I'd come back with like a hook um and and anything else if i could we had like a bit of a combo we'd been working on to the body because we worked we worked out that my body shots were pretty pretty solid um and so i'd I'd hit him with that that body shot and then i hit him with like a hook uppercut combo as he sort of fell and because it's it's not pro or whatever it's you know eight a standing eight count or whatever whatever i can't even remember what it was but the fight had been called and i didn't know so everyone's cheering or whatever and then, so I turn around and, and I walk towards him and he's like, oh, are we still on? And I'm like, yeah. And so he throws, he throws a jab and I, I push over the jab and I punch him straight in the face. And then everyone in the whole auditorium starts laughing and I'm looking around and I'm like, like what? And my coach is like, you won, stop, stop. Like, and then I was like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, sorry, man. I gave him a hug. It was like, my bad. But um, yeah, moral of the story, man, I think, I think if you're prepared, nothing's really that hard, eh? To be honest. Yeah, that's all. That's always the case. Um, now, going back to your music side of things, um, yeah. Do you, you know, when when you talk about uh, drawing from life experiences, and as, I mean, we've had this discussion in the past before. Obviously, the more you get out there, the more you tour, the more life experiences it gives you more to write about. Um, yeah. Is there ever a time that you look back at some of your earlier stuff and you kind of, I guess, cringe or wish it wasn't there? Because it's one of those things, right? You release it, it's in concrete. And it doesn't matter if you're even yeah. like your, your thoughts or anything changes, it's always going to be there. Um, is, is, there sure. is there moments sure. that you've kind of gone, you know, whether it's that you've had a total change of heart on a topic or, or just, you know, your flow pattern? Is, is there ever a time you're like, damn, I wish, I wish that wasn't there now? Or do you just see it as in like, no, that's, that's part of history? So everything that I've put out under Johnny P, I'm happy with. Um, everything, like my first, I don't know if you can see that down there, but my first project, Bigger Things, that came out in 2017 and that had been me writing from 2015 to 2017 for that. So that was me, that was me at a point where I was out of 10, I would say I was like a seven or a six. I was a little bit better than your average Joe. And I had started to experiment with melodies and hooks and all these different things. And so what I put out on that, I was actually really happy with that by the end of it. Um, and, And still looking back on it, there's nothing that I cringe on with it at all. Um, my latest album, happy as fuck with it. No problems at all. The only thing I, 
and and I don't I don't ever have regrets because I believe that everything's a blessing or, blessing or a lesson, right? Like that's the way I look at life. I don't believe that anything's a failure. Like the only way you fail is if you quit and you give up. That's the only way you fail. So there was a project I did with these two fellas from Melbourne, one called Fritz, who doesn't rap anymore, and a DJ called Deno, who is an incredible guy um, who has DJed for me with Listener. So like whenever I'm in Melbourne, he's my DJ. And uh, we did a project called <laughs> The Wheel of Fortunes. And we didn't, technically my name was on it, but when we performed it live, he used a different name, which was fucking terrible. They they said on the flyer of the show that there wasn't enough space to have Deno, Fritz and Johnny P. So they picked a name for us without telling me and they called us two guys, one cut. <laughs> and Because the cut's obviously the DJ. So it was me and Fritz rapping and Deno on the cuts uh, on the decks. And that project, which I have in my cupboard and my girlfriend like laughs at it all the time and is like, I need a copy of it. Like that's my birthday present. Um, we did four tracks and they were all based on different subjects and stuff. When I listened back to them, I didn't, I hadn't even developed my fucking, my rap voice then. I didn't even know what my, what I sounded like. So I, when I listened back to it, it's super Aussie. Like I sound mad bogan. And the writing, like, it's too rushed. I'm trying to fit too many words in a bar. It, it just doesn't sound like me. But from bigger things to attachment theory, the quality of those, like, it, I, there's not going to be a point that I listen to them and I'm like, no, they were shit because I know that they're not. Like, they, they, I'm proud of both of those bodies of work and they, both of them almost killed me trying to get them out. But they're they're solid but that wheel of fortunes project fuck like yeah if, if your listeners google it look it up you know i'm not going to encourage people to go listen to it but you'll hear the absolute transformation in me as an artist from that to what i've done now um and now is just the, the process of trying to, to level up again and uh and and sort of one up uh, attachment theory and, and do better than that, which has been very interesting because it's been a very been a weird year, man. So a lot of the plans I had have sort of fallen on their ass, but at the same time we we pivot and we make new plans and we uh and yeah I've got probably the next two years worth of music ready to go to be honest. I, I was <laughs> so gonna not like I haven't been. Yeah. Yeah, I was going I was going to say it has been one of those years where obviously a lot of people have been crushed, but I mean, you you've yeah. really kept busy. I mean, I I always make jokes about on on my Instagram that pretty much every every week for the the radar release there's a Johnny P track, you know. Um Yeah, yeah. So yeah. even in this time where a lot of people have just kind of locked themselves down, you you still been very proactive on releasing things. Um mm. is is that stuff that you'd already had pre prepared or are you still working on stuff um right now during lockdown even though there probably isn't so much stuff to take inspiration from unless you're wanting to write a song about coronavirus which i think has now been outplayed like right (laughs) everyone's done that but um yeah how how have you been able to maintain that level of just pumping stuff out during this period 
Well, I, I think a lot of the stuff that I've got sort of sitting in the backlog is stuff that I wrote uh, after the tour last year. Like, so I finished the tour start of December and then I just wrote like a maniac from December, January, February. And then, so I've, I've got so much stuff that I'm sitting on from that, but yeah, I've, I've, I've really been in a bit of a, like, I don't, I don't believe in writer's block. Um, but I do believe in a lack of inspiration, like you're just saying there. Um, because lately, I think as well, I've been working so much in my, in my regular job because they need essential workers like crazy at the moment. So I've been doing, you know, 60 something hour weeks. So the normal time that I would have to write and to be creative and to sit with a beat and, you know, flesh some stuff out, it just hasn't been there. So then when I've had a day off, I've just been knackered and I've just wanted to sleep and chill and watch Netflix and stuff, which is not very much like me, but um, I know that like we've had the conversation before, it's important to do. It's important to have that time for yourself to switch off, to allow yourself to appreciate shit again. Like it's sort of like I need to fall in love with uh, parts of my music again, because at the moment it's just been a, it's been a very hectic season. But yeah, I think that, like, you know, when I first uh, got into this new place where we're quite near the beach, so, and I was sort of struggling for inspiration. I've just, you know, like I said, just been working or whatever. And uh, I just would go for walks along the beach and try and come up with, you know, try and get hit with something. But a lot of the time it strikes when you least expect it. Like I finished a 12 hour shift the other day and then found a beat that literally as I sat in the car and was clocking out of my shift, a YouTube beat was released by a producer that I follow and I clicked it and I was like, oh, like, and I just kept playing it nonstop the way home. And by the next day I had a demo done with two, two artists, one from America and, and another one from Perth. So when inspiration strikes, it, it strikes. Um, and I think I'm learning to just not force those things like at the moment as well with the gyms being closed normally i would go to the gym train for an hour i've got my music blaring that i want to listen to you know i usually come up with shit while i'm training or i hear something playing on the gym system and i look it up and you know that's how it's funny both of my collabs from the us have both been found when i've been at the gym shit's come up on a spotify playlist and i'm like this guy's good and then i reach out to them and then they're like yeah bro let's do a track um so there yeah this time though the whole quarantine lockdown corona time has just been a very very interesting time i think i think maybe what's happened in my mind has been it was like fight or flight probably at the start of it where i was like crap i lost my job um i was worried you know worrying about a recession slash depression and what should I be investing in? What moves should I be making to set myself up? Because, you know, it is sort of a once in a lifetime thing, you know, you can make a make a heap of money on the stock market or make some clever financial decisions in this time, which could benefit you later in life. And I think I would, I'd sort of been so preoccupied with just surviving that I didn't, maybe music felt like a bit of a luxury to be able to do. And I didn't want to be the guy to, um, you know, write a song about coronavirus. Like I, I've been pretty pissed off lately with like, you know, that there'll be a documentary that someone watches and then they'll write a rap of it. Like, you know, it's like Tiger King and shit. I'm like, fuck, like 
I get it. Fair enough. Like you're scraping the barrel trying to find something to write about. But at the end of the day, like I'm not going to write a song about Tiger King or The Last Dance or, you know, bloody Carol Baskin. So yeah, just trying to trying to stay authentic to myself and be real and write about real shit. Like my, my auntie was murdered last year and I ended up writing uh, my single Perfect about her. So for me, that was, you know, real emotional, real hard song to write but I'm glad it's out and it's, you know, doing a proud sort of thing. So that that's the sort of thing that I'll draw on to, to write to, like rather than just going, cool, what's, what's the hot topic? Like, I don't, I don't want to write about stuff that I'm, you know, uneducated to write about as well. You know, I don't, I'm not going to write a song about what's going on in America with the Black Lives Matter stuff, because I feel like, you know, it's not my place to, even though, you know, I definitely have a responsibility as a, as a white guy to stand up and, and, you know, understand that I'm very privileged and, and, you know, sometimes your silence can be more of a detriment than, than having a voice. So, you know, speaking up about that sort of stuff, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a weird time. It's been a very weird time. Um, but like, like we've both said, like, you know, this year's crushed a lot of people and done a lot of things, but we're still here. And, you know, still, still paid the rent, still alive, still have food in the fridge, clothes on my back, bed to sleep on, running water. Like, you know, we're better off than the majority of the people in the world. Um, so, yeah, just being grateful, I guess, is what we're going to take away from all of this. And, and if the year does reopen and go back to normal, I just really hope as humans we can, uh, we can, try and not be so human in the fact that we just like you know we take things for granted and we we only appreciate what we have once it's gone i hope we can just like appreciate everything while you know regardless of whether we have it or not um so yeah it's i don't know but like good things have come out of it man this podcast is one of them so you know, that, happy days. That, that's Thank definitely one thing, and well. and 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 another good thing yeah. that's come out of it um, is your latest uh, music video uh, for Lighthouse, uh, yeah, which was yeah, dropped last sure. week. And uh, I was going to ask you about yeah. that as well. Is is, is that a, a project um, that obviously you collaborated with Jimmy? Um, yeah. Is that something that? you shot before the lockdown or is that is this something you've done during the lockdown how how did the process for that video clip all all come about yeah so so we shot that in sydney uh after the tour had finished i think it was sort of mid oh would have been would have been the middle of november last year so me and snake um jimmy we uh went down to maroubra like four in the morning and shot that because he wanted to do a video with me and, and that's, that's one of the tracks off the album. And I'd really wanted to work with him as well. But, you know, I was like, Oh, there's nothing really like, I've got a really bad habit of doing videos for songs that have already been out. Like instead of going, okay, we're releasing this song with a video, which is what most people do. I just get so obsessed with the music and going, all right, let's, let's get that song out there. Um, and then we'll, we'll work on visuals later you know, or sometimes it's just hasn't worked out financially to be like, all right, I can't drop five grand or 10 grand on a video right now. So let's just get the music out. Cause at the end of the day, that's what I am. Um, but that, that came out 
and uh, he did an incredible job. Like even that morning when we got down to film, there were so many surfers there. Like we thought, all right, we're getting there real early. And I was thinking in the back of my head, oh, there's probably going to be surfers like we are at Maroubra, the bra boy. Um, and Sneak sort of, I guess, didn't think of it. And then we got there and then as we started filming a lot of the scenes, I was like, bro, there's like a hundred surfers like around where we're trying to film. And so we had to film in like gaps where there weren't waves. So they, they wouldn't be in the shots. And even, I don't know how he's done it though. Cause even with a heap of the shots in that video, it's a very deep song about, you know, suicide and depression and everything like that, about a part of my life I was going through a couple of years ago. Um, but like, I don't understand how he didn't get any surfers in the shots because there's like literally parts where like there's a surfer just on the other side of the wave. You can see one surfer in the whole video. If you can spot him, I'll send you some stickers. Uh, but legit, like he did such an incredible job where I was like surrounded by surfers, but he made it look like I was at, like a completely empty beach. Um, and it, it's really cool what's come from that as well, because me and my producer, John Reichardt, are thinking of doing uh, a whole new project down that similar vein now. Um, can't say too much about it, but we, we want to sort of target, like that song's quite rocky, quite heavy. Um, and we want to, because John's a, originally like, a, he's the best guitarist I've ever seen in my life. And he's a metal guitarist. So um, we want to do like a heavier little EP where we utilize more of that sort of rock sound um, and maybe even get, you know, the, I've got some boys in person stuff that, that play and sing in sort of metal screamo sort of bands. So get a little bit of that tied in as well. So who knows, bro, that could be, that could end up being one of the songs for like a, a walkout song, you know, if it gets heavy enough and it's, that could work. Nice. Well, that was actually going to be like my final kind of question for you as well is like, have, have yeah. we got any sort of upcoming projects that we can look forward to? Obviously, the touring at the moment is, is a no-go. I mean, no one even has an idea yeah. of, it could probably be when we're in our 50s that you can finally tour again. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, is, is there anything that you, um, apart from this, is there any tracks that you're releasing uh, or, or anything like that that we can look forward yeah. to? For sure, man. So I went on a, a massive spree with Joey, um, Joey Maker, one of my good mates in Sydney, who's a, who's an artist as well. And uh, we pumped out like 10 songs in like two weeks. So we've got a bunch of those that we're sitting on at the moment. I think the next one called Running or Running uh, is out on June 19. I'm pretty sure it is. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's June 19, which is a Friday. I'm correct. I think so. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the next release from me. I've also got a single called light it up with uh coast and ocean. Who's another Sydney boy. Um, and then there's another two or three tracks on a project that, you know, I was going to drop 99 perfect light it up, like all those songs on one pro project, but I decided this year that I was going to do like the rust method, and pretty much just release singles because sometimes you drop a big album and, and people don't have the attention span like they used to. So certain songs get lost in the album, like Lighthouse is track number like seven on Attachment Theory. And it's sort of got a bit of love. But now that the video is out, people are like, that song's so good. I love your new song. And I'm like, well, it was actually on an album, but a lot of people forget 
you know, they listen to the first five tracks or whatever, and then they sort of, they lose their attention span. So, yeah, but I'm, like I said, I'm sitting on probably, you know, if I'm releasing a song every month or a couple of songs every month, I've got probably like 50 songs in the bank right now that I'm pretty happy with. Um, but it's just a matter of getting them all to, you know, 10 out of 10 songs instead of eight out of 10s or whatever. So, um, but yeah, there's plenty on the way from me, man. It won't stop. So you'll, uh, you'll see it as it comes. You'll see it on your release radar, bro. So you'll be fine. <laughs> well, I was just going to say where you said like, uh, the, the songs get lost in the album. I think the problem with that as well yeah. is that we're now consuming, uh, music differently, right? Like where before you used to f- buy a physical album, so you would have song one through 15 or whatever, where now, because a lot of the consumption is streaming services, you don't necessarily yeah. have that full song. I, I mean, for instance, myself, yeah. I get a lot of it, as you say, the release radar. So I'm getting little one song at a time. I'm not getting like, yeah, here's an album, sure. right? So, sure. And you might then yeah. miss one song because for whatever reason, you didn't listen to the radar this that week or whatever, and it just doesn't come about. So I think that's a little yeah. bit different now, but I, I do want to wrap it up. Um, before we go, for people who do want to get physical copies and 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 things alike um obviously you've got some merch hanging yeah. behind you as well where can people contact you either for collabs just to have a, a yarn um where can people get some of yeah, your merchandising sure. your albums on streaming services yeah. well, johnny p's the way to go yeah, and, yeah. And, and you can find that but where, where can people find you so the, the easiest way to probably contact me would be on instagram which is just at johnny p um I'm on, you know, Facebook, TikTok and Snapchat and whatever as well. But Instagram's where I'm usually at and I endeavor to respond to everyone on there. So feel free to hit me up if you need. Um, as for merch and stuff, there's links in my bio on Instagram, but you can go to um, www.johnnyp.bigcartel.com. Um, and we've got, you know, I think these are my last singlets of these before the winter range come out. Um, we've got like a bunch of new hoodies and hats and, and everything on the way as well. Wasn't meant to say that we've got hats coming, but whatever we do, um, everyone's been begging me for hats forever. So we've got my own range of P hats coming, um, proper JP hoodies again, um, new shirts. I want to get trackies and other warm things as well for, for winter as it's coming. Well, it's here now. Um, but yeah, that's that's the best way to find me. So just, yeah, this one up here, beautiful. Well, with that, I just want to say thank you one more time and um, I really do appreciate you coming on and I can hopefully get you back on once things are open and we're moving back to business and, and, and you know, sure. you, you have some tour dates to announce or something like that. But um, I have to, yeah, call it an end there and uh, once again, I, I, I thank you kindly. I'm away. I'm the way, way.